During this segment, we are going to focus on uh, the books of Joshua all the way through the book of Ruth. And uh, we're going to cover some of those things. As we've said before, typology is uh, it's nothing more than something that happened in the, in the Old Testament that finds its fulfillment in the New Testament. Uh, it's kind of like uh, if you have children or grandchildren and uh, your kid does something, has a certain mannerism or uh, looks a certain way, and somebody comes to you and they say, man, they're just like you. I, I, see, I see you in them. Uh, that is the same of, of typology. One time I was, uh, I have uh, two biological children and, and three adopted children. And uh, one time I was at a dentist office, I believe, and I had, I had my oldest adopted child with me. And um, we, uh, let me just say, we just, we do not look the same, okay? We, it, it's clear that uh, we are not biological. But uh, I was sitting in the doctor's office one time, and this sweet little lady came up to me, and she said, your baby girl is precious. And she looked at me, and she said, she has your hair. <laughs> and I was, it was, her hair is definitely not mine. She has curls and ringlets and, and is gorgeous. But I, I was so flat. I didn't want to say anything. I was like, oh, I let, thank you so much. You just say thank you. When somebody says, I see you in your kid, you just say thank you and you keep going. That is exactly what typology is. It is us looking to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I, 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 I see you in them. I see you in them in the Old Testament. And then we find the fulfillment in the New Testament. So tonight what we're going to do very quickly is we're going to uh, look through a couple of these different books. We're going to start with the book of Joshua. Now, for context, Joshua uh, happens immediately after the people come out of the, uh, the wilderness. So uh, the stage setting, Moses has just died in the last chapter. It's been, it's been days since Moses has died, and Joshua is going to be his successor. And so in the same way that Joshua took Israel into their inheritance into the promised land, Jesus takes us into our eternal inheritance, okay? So Joshua chapter 1 verse 7, this is what the Lord says to Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. And so um, as we look forward to the New Testament, what we find is that because of what Christ has done on the cross, Paul says that we have an eternal inheritance that awaits for us in heaven. It's only through the blood of Jesus that we can do that. And so Joshua and Jesus are the same in this, that, that one took people to an earthly inheritance, but Christ takes us to an internal inheritance. There's another connection point between Joshua and Jesus, and it is simply this, that their names are the same. Um, Joshua is the Hebrew equivalent to the Greek Jesus. And what it means, what their name means is Yahweh is salvation or God is salvation. So this is why when the angel of the Lord comes to Mary and he announces that she's going to have a, have a child, this is what he says. And you shall call his name Jesus for he will save their people from their sin. So in other words, you shall call his name God is salvation because he is going to save his people from their sin. Well, in the very same way, Joshua's name meant God is salvation. And so there's a, another connection there. Number two in your notes, Israel had to conquer people just as Jesus had to conquer principalities. 
So the entire book of Joshua, from chapter 1 to chapter 24, the entire book is dedicated to the conquest, to the conquering, to the overtaking of the land that God had promised them. God had promised uh, the people that he was going to give them this, this entire nation. But by the time the people arrived, there were all kinds of different tribes and peoples who had infiltrated the land. And God had given these people hundreds of years, the whole time for 400 years when the Hebrews were in bondage in Egypt, God was allowing the people that had invaded the land, he was giving them opportunity after opportunity to repent and to turn to him. Um, you know, secular um, uh, humanists and, and, you know, the atheist attack on religion uh, wants to paint all of these conquests as God is like just this um, bloodthirsty, uh, you know, vengeful being who just wants to go in and commit genocide and wipe all these. But they don't understand the context. And the context is that for hundreds of years, God has been trying to get them to turn. Scripture reminds us that the cup of their iniquity had filled and there was, there was no turning back for them because the judgment of God, they have gone too far and the judgment of God was going to come to them through the people of Israel. And the people of Israel were going to wipe them off and they were going to uh, in, inherit the land. And so um, as we arrive, um, again, so you've got Israel who are conquering a people, but that is a foreshadowing of Jesus who has to conquer principalities. So follow with me. Israel has to conquer people groups in order to get their inheritance. Jesus had to conquer principalities so that we could receive our inheritance. Understand what I'm saying? So um, there's a likeness there um, in these two things. That's the typology connection. Number three in your notes. Um, in Joshua chapter 2, judgment passed over a woman named Rahab because of scarlet, just as judgment passes over us because of scarlet, okay? Um, what basically happens in Joshua chapter 2, just before they go into the land, Joshua commissions men and he says, listen, I want you to go in as spies, and go into these different villages and towns and, and structures. I want you to find out what's going on. Find out what their men look like. Find out if they're craftsmen or if they're warriors or whatever they are. Come back and report to us so that we will know how to take over their city. And so uh, the people, the, the spies, they go into Jericho. And they find this woman whose name is Rahab. She realizes that they're spies and she realizes that the powers that be have found out that there are spies in the town. And so she hides the spies so that her king won't come and, and destroy them. And so as they begin to leave, they have a conversation and she basically asks them, listen, because I have protected you, when, when you come with your people to overthrow our land, will you protect me and my family? Like, will you pay me back? I took care of you. Will you take care of me? And this is how they replied to the conversation. Before the spies left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land to bring judgment, you will leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. So she, she let them escape through a window. He said, look, if you will hang a scarlet rope, that will be a sign to us that this is Rahab and Rahab's family. And all of your family members must be inside in order to be saved. Well, that is a foreshadowing 
that there is a judgment that's coming to all people. And the only symbol that will save us from the coming judgment is scarlet color. Okay, so Rahab had a scarlet thread that was hung down. We have the scarlet blood of Christ that covers us. We have to be inside that scarlet in order for judgment to pass over us. And this is the way that the typology connects in, in those two points. Moving on from Joshua, we find ourselves in the book of Judges. Now, the book of Judges is one of the most fascinating books in the entire scripture. Um, it's a little bit depressing, though, okay? So, so make sure you, you, you read it on a good day, okay, is all I'm going to say. Um, as we look at the, the three levels of typology here, number one, we see that the judges served as deliverers for the people just as Jesus serves as a deliverer for us, okay? Um, I want to show you um, a, a, a graphic right here. As you read the, the book of Judges, what you find is it's broken down into a couple of different things. You find different cycles. You find different rhythms throughout this book. And several different times throughout the book of Judges, you find this identical same pattern happening again and again and again and again, right? And this is how it goes. Israel commits sin. And we're not talking they were, you know, one of the priests were walking through the house, stubbed their toe, and they cussed. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about gross idolatry. We're talking about debauchery, not just from a segment of people. We're talking about, you know, the, the nation of people are just turning towards idolatry away from the Lord. And so God then either allows or he sends another people group to oppress Israel. He sends these groups to attack Israel. He allows Israel to be beaten up, kind of conquered at, at different times. And as they are being oppressed by this outside people group, Israel then repents and cries out to God. God, forgive us. We've sinned. We recognize what we've done. We see that this is kind of, you know, our punishment. And God, we, we, we need to get things right with you. We repent. We turn back to you. And so then God sends a judge to deliver Israel from the people group that have overtaken them. Right? And so this is where you have people like Deborah, you have Samson, who we'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh, you have these mighty uh, men and women of God who step onto the scene and oftentimes, uh, either through political or uh, you know, military approach, they will deliver the people as God's hand is upon them, they'll deliver the people. And then, faith, then Israel is faithful as long as the judge continues to live. But what happens to every judge? He dies. And then just a few verses later, what you find is Israel starting right back over. Gross idolatry, debauchery, just running amok, and then on through the cycle. You see it happen time and time and time again. And so in the same way that these judges, God would raise up judges, and they would set the people free from bondage, in the same way Jesus is a deliverer that sets us free from bondage. Paul said this to the Galatians. He said, Christ has truly set us free. So make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So what he's saying, listen, don't get stuck in a cycle. Don't, don't you know, repeat this time and time and time again. Let Jesus be your ultimate deliverer. 
But again, in the same way that, that God raised up judges to deliver the people, God raised up Christ to deliver us. Number two in your notes, we talk about Samson. Samson's death brought death to many, yet Jesus' death brought life to many. At the end of Samson's life, you remember, uh, he is captured. Uh, Delilah has led the people to, you know, cut his hair, the source of his strength. And he finds himself with his eyes gouged out. He's blind. Uh, they are basically using his might to grind up grain on, a, you know, just being yoked. And he's, he's basically a slave, but the, but the lowest type. And he is just beaten to a pole. And so at the end of his life, he's standing in this, this enormous Colosseum. And he cries out to the Lord. He repents. He cries out to the Lord. And he asks and he says, God, for this last time, will you let me judge the people that are trying to overthrow Israel? Will you let me deliver the people that are trying to do that? And so he stands between these pillars in this Colosseum, which obviously housed thousands and thousands of people. And with all of his might, uh, he pushed down the pillars, the walls fell. And the Bible says that Samson killed more people when he died than when he lived. And when he lived, listen, he killed a bunch of people. And so in the same way, or in an opposite way, I guess, Samson's death brought death to many people, but Jesus' death brought life to many people. Uh, Romans 5 says, For all who have received the grace of God, we will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So what Paul's saying, he's saying, listen, um, although, you know, through the man Adam, we all fell into sin, through Jesus Christ, we can all live, and Jesus will reap the life um, through his death. Number three in the book of Judges, uh, people did what was right in their own eyes, just as people will do what is right in their own eyes in the last days. So this is a typology that isn't necessarily connected to the person of Jesus. It's connected to a prophetic fulfillment in the New Testament, okay? So at the end of the book of Judges, it says it like four or five different times, but the very last line in the book of Judges reads like this. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Basically, what the writer was saying is that, that people were not... Uh, inquiring of the Spirit of God or the Word of God, Lord, how should we live our lives? They were using their own flawed human rationale. This is how I should live. I, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense, so we're going to do this. And it just led to all kind of destructive roads. Well, later in the New Testament, what we find is that there's coming a day, and let me just say this, it feels like we're already in that day. This is what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, mark this down. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the truth, treacherous, rash, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with these people. And so in a similar way, 
that, that the book of Judges has a culture that's just doing everything that they want to do. Paul prophesies and says, listen, in the last days, it's going to be the same way. People are just going to do what they want to do. They're not going to have any regard for the power of God or the word of God or the spirit of God. They're just going to live how they want to live. And then finally, we arrive at the book of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, you have a man named Boaz, okay? Um, well, let me back up here for just a second. Let me talk about Naomi. You have a woman named Naomi um, who is married to a man who dies. Well, their marriage produced two sons. And those sons married women, and those men, those sons, died. So in that family, there were three women and three men, and all the men were dead, okay? So the three women come together. They're living in a land that's not their own. And the mother-in-law, Naomi, goes to Ruth and the other woman, and she says, listen, you need to go and you need to find husbands. You need to take care of yourself. I am old. I am a widower. But don't, don't concern yourself with me. You go. I love you. Take care of yourselves. Live a great life. One of the daughters-in-law does that, but Ruth refuses. She says, no, Naomi, I, I refuse to do that. Where you go, I will go. Okay, And so you have Naomi and Ruth, and they go back to their hometown, or back to Naomi's hometown, and they, they find themselves in a situation where it's just the two of them trying to survive. We find Ruth and, you know, Naomi, she's trying to, Ruth is young and she's trying to provide for two women, two grown adults, um, but there's no man in play and women couldn't have jobs the way that they have jobs today. And, and so when we find Ruth, she's in the grain fields and she is not collecting grain. She's collecting the grain that the grain collectors accidentally dropped. So she's getting the, the, the morsels that have fallen off the table and she's going through and she's scrounging just so that she and Naomi can have enough food to eat every single day. Well, one of the fields that she finds herself in is owned by a, name, uh, a man by the name of Boaz. Boaz was a good man and what he is given the title of is a kinsman redeemer. Okay, he's... he's, he's notified or labeled as a type of redeemer. Now, this phrase goes back to the book of Leviticus. In the book of Leviticus, if a person fell into poverty and they lost their land, let's say that they were farming a land and they owed a debt, they couldn't pay the debt, so they, they ended up losing the, the, the farm, they couldn't provide for anything like that, there was a system that God put in place in Leviticus 25 where that person could buy their land back or someone could buy their land back for them. Does that make sense? And so basically what we find in this section of scripture is a man by the name of Boaz who goes and not just redeems land for these two women, but redeems the women and brings them into his own even though they were not family he redeems them and he makes them family in the same way that Boaz redeems Ruth and Naomi, Jesus redeems us. Jesus, it's said by the apostle Peter, uh, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. 
So in this way, in the, in the same way that Boaz redeemed not only the land, but the two women into his family, Christ has redeemed us from our poverty, from, from our souls being in another camp. He has redeemed us and brought us into his camp, okay? Uh, there are other likenesses. Uh, between uh, Boaz and Jesus. Uh, they're both from the tribe of Judah. They're both from the, uh, from the town of Bethlehem. Um, they both, if you, depending on how far you want to go with it, uh, they both collected their bride uh, from, from a different nation that was not their own. So Ruth wasn't, wasn't a, a Jewish woman. She was from another, she was a Gentile. And so he brought her and redeemed her into her home in the same way that Christ not only will redeem the Jews, but he'll redeem the Gentiles, us included, by bringing in his bride bride from all around the world. And so that wraps up uh, Genesis through the book of Ruth. And in the same way that Boaz went after Ruth, Jesus went after us. And I thank God that he did that. Amen. Amen. Amen.